Hey everyone, this is part two of episode 18, which originally was going to be a single podcast episode. So the beginning of this might sound a little bit abrupt, but it's basically where part one left off. So if you haven't yet listened to part one, you might want to do that. Hello, and welcome to the Groovy Writer Podcast where we explore how to find your writing groove, regardless of your circumstances. I'm your host, author and MFA instructor, Nicole McGinnis. So let me back up ever so slightly to something I brought up a few minutes ago, and that is the standard lengths for manuscripts. Part of having a completed and well-edited, beautifully polished project means you have kept an eye on standard lengths for the type of project in question. So for instance, I'll sometimes hear a writer say something like, hey, I finished a novel, I'm super excited. And I'll be like, hey, congratulations, that's huge. Tell me about it. And maybe they'll say something like, it's a 25,000 word novel for adults. I can't wait to send it out. That is not the length of a novel. It's, it's actually not only not a length for a novel for adults, it also would not be considered a YA novel length manuscript. YA typically and for those who don't know, um, when I use that term, I mean young adult literature for teen readers, although adults love it too. A YA novel length manuscript will typically start minimum word length is about 60,000 words, and then it can go up from there, 100,000. Some people will say, oh, 150,000. I mean, that's pretty huge. Fantasy and some sci-fi, you will see these huge bricks of books, and I'm always so impressed by that. These authors can be so prolific. But know your word restrictions on the minimum end of things and on the maximum end of things. 150,000 words is a lot for me anyway. My novels tend to be in the 60 to 80,000, maybe 65 to 90,000 word range is pretty typical when all is said and done. Part of having your project completely ready to go is that you have the length right. So 25,000 words would be more like a novella. Also know the terminology. I will hear writers sometimes talk about the fiction novel they're writing and that's not really a term. A novel is, by definition, fiction. It's not about feeling stupid for not using the correct terminology, but get out there and research. Talk about this. Go to conferences if you want to, if it's in your budget, or you can find one that's fairly local and reasonable if big conferences aren't in your budget. Go listen to authors and editors and agents and readers talk. Get on YouTube and watch videos. It's important to have some sort of a sense of the terminology when you are going to put your work out there. And again, by putting it out there, I mean either querying agents or approaching editors directly. And this is the non-writing side of things. This is when you put your business hat on. And part of that is becoming well-versed in the language of publishing. And there are some definite, fairly unchanging terms. So know how your work is categorized. For example, adult sci-fi novel of 70,000 words. No one would bat an eye at that. That's very standard. Adult literary fiction complete at 95,000 words, for example. We'll talk about more of this in the query letter episode, but super important to be familiar with the terminology. Yet again, there are so many wonderful writers, agents, editors, readers who discuss this in depth, all of the details of what you need to have ready to go before trying to send your work out there. So let's say you have all that, your word length is good, you've got your genre down or, and or your category. Those are two different things. 
and you have avoided falling into that trap that I would say many talented writers fall into, and maybe even not so talented writers, maybe writers who aren't quite as strong. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking, but my project, my manuscript is unique. It's so strong. It's so different from anything that's out there that I really don't have to worry about these rules. The rules are pretty arbitrary when it comes to length or even classifying it. But I mean, it has a little bit of sci-fi. It has a little bit of literary fiction. You know, it could be read by teens. It could be read by older readers. Really, it's a little bit of everything. There's even some nonfiction and poetry in there. <laughs> that's great. But that is not going to fly when you go to query an agent or to submit your work to editors. They need to know right off the bat where this work fits in the marketplace, where it would fit on a bookstore shelf. So make sure you have educated yourself in all of those aspects of categorization. It is very important and it can feel completely antithetical to the creative process, which is not about boxes and categories typically. But when you decide you want to be traditionally published, it's all about boxes and categories and the bottom line. I shouldn't say all about. Hopefully, first and foremost, it's about love of the written word. It's a, a beautiful, lovely gathering of like-minded souls. But ultimately, traditional publishing, from the publisher's perspective, and for good reason, it's a business, is all about the categories, the bottom line, how many of these can we sell, how are we going to market this, etc. This is another place where if you look to your right, you'll see a handy little exit door you can get off this right because it's another area of somewhat expected disillusionment for writers. And that is okay. And on a final note about the length of the manuscript specifically, try to remember if you struggle with that a little bit, or it doesn't seem quite fair, and you, you think, I have what I thought was a 30,000 word novel. Nicole's telling me that's not novel length. But if I were to try to lengthen this, it would really wreck the story. I have a perfect arc. It's really strong as is. I hear you. But recognize that at that point, think in terms of how you might categorize it. It's a novella, for instance. Those are harder to sell than novels even. So one more reason that self-publishing might be right for you as opposed to traditional publishing. So fully back on interstate, cruising speed, going to nice 75 here in Arizona, talking about what happens next, the next step in traditional publishing. Your ducks are in a row. Your manuscript is beautifully edited perfectly polished. The length is correct for the genre and or category in which you're writing. All is well. You have likely by this point, if you haven't earlier, made the decision about whether to try to get a literary agent or try to submit directly to editors. At this particular juncture, this particular fork in the road, it doesn't really matter. Your manuscript still has to be as perfect as you can make it. But you still can decide at either time. Like, I want to go query agents. And again, you're off on another adventure there because then you have to get that whole packet together. And again, I'm, I'm not going to go into the details of that here. Or you decide, I'm going to go directly to editors, at which point, if you haven't already, you're going to want to come up with a well curated list of editors to approach directly with this manuscript. You want to first and foremost to make sure that they are editing the type of work in question. So if you have an adult sci-fi manuscript, do not bother contacting a children's editor who only deals in picture books. You're barking up the wrong tree. And the good news there is when it comes to agents and editors, the vast majority of them, especially in New York City and all over the country, they don't have to be in New York City, but that's sort of the, again, that's, that's sort of the heartland for publishing. The vast majority of agents, but also editors, is that their information is readily available online. 
Seek it out. Study it. Do not try to bend the rules. If an agent says, I'm closed to queries, don't query that agent. They might say, I'm closed to queries until August, which is very typical. Publishing tends to shut down a little bit in the summer. Not shut down, but it, things go very much quieter in the summer than at other times of year. If an editor says, I am only interested in YA speculative fiction or middle grade fantasy, don't submit your adult literary manuscript to that editor. You're just sort of shooting yourself in the foot at that point because, again, barking up the wrong tree. That dog won't hunt. What other sorts of uh, rural country sayings can I use here? So do your research, and that needs to be done. If you are on that road to traditionally publishing, that research needs to be done, period, regarding agents or editors. Sometimes both. I've researched both simultaneously before because it's not a bad idea if you do want to get an agent and you do eventually get an agent to be able to then say to that agent, hey, I saw this interesting interview with such and such editor and they mentioned they're interested in fill in the blank. I think being as well-versed as possible is great. So let's say you've done your research, you've either started to query agents and you have your packet together, or you have started to submit your work to editors, you have a good packet together. Let me just quickly say, typically when querying agents, you will need a query letter. It's also good to have some sort of a synopsis. That's another episode in itself. A synopsis of your work can be a one-page breakdown of the work or it can be five, ten pages. It just depends. It's good to have different length synopses, but you will at least need a query letter. I will do an episode on query letters. There's also great information out there on how to write a strong query letter. There are rules to writing query letters. Again, it can seem antithetical to your creativity, but if you think about how many of these agents receive any given agent on any given day, it makes sense that there are some rules. And when they see a writer who just tries to completely bend and break every rule at the query stage, it's one less writer they have to deal with because that query will go right in the slush pile. For editors, you're also going to need to have a packet, typically the manuscript, a cover letter of some sort. You might also, you might consider it a query, but I think of queries as strictly for agents, but at least a cover letter in order to determine what needs to go into this for an editor, especially read up on what the editor is looking for. Read up on submission guidelines for that publishing house, the publishing house for which that editor works. Know what they're looking for. Know how they want to receive whatever material they're requesting. They might just want a cover letter at first. So don't send your entire manuscript, for example, to an editor who has no interest in seeing the manuscript. They want to get a quick cover letter first, sort of like a query letter. Then they want to be the one to either request the manuscript or to choose not to request the manuscript, aka rejection time. Pretty much the same for agents. Know the guidelines for querying. Follow the guidelines for querying. Let the agent decide how much they want to see up front and then whether or not they want to see more. You will either get a rejection or a request for more material, often in the form of what is known as a partial, which means a certain amount of pages of your manuscript, maybe the first 50 pages, or a full, which is the full manuscript. Can you see why it's so easy for me to go off on offshoots when we're trying to just do a single podcast episode, which is now turned into two podcast episodes about a general overview of publishing? There's really no way that I can find. I'm sure others have done it just fine. But for me, it seems to be impossible to just keep the overview general because publishing by its very nature is pretty complex once you start getting below the surface. So anyway, rant over. Let's say an editor says, yeah, I want to see more pages or go ahead and send me your whole manuscript. There's typically going to be a wait before you hear back. Ideally, you hear a 
I really like this. Here's my vision for this project. Are you, potential author, willing to do some of these big revisions that I foresee will need to be done to really make this successful? That's when you're having a conversation, just like a buyer of a home who says, what do they call it these days? Incentives. I'll throw in, uh, not only will I buy your house, but I'll throw in my my 911 that has low miles and it's been in a garage under a sham wow the size of a king-size quilt for the past five years. I don't even know where that came from. But that's something that is part of the initial negotiation process. Ideally, following that, you guys come to some good terms and an offer is made on the project, and then you're off to the races. From there, you go through a whole process of editing with that publishing house after, of course, doing all the contract negotiations and all of that. It's a back and forth with editing. There are lots of details there that obviously cannot get into here. And then eventually that ends up in your project being finished. You get a publication date. You get to walk into that bookstore, pick it off the shelf, and take your selfie. On the agent side of things, let's say you've sent out a bunch of queries. Typically it takes many. I have a whole box full of rejections from back in the early 2000s, from before the point where I finally got an agent. And let's say you've done that. You have sent out tons of queries. You've gotten tons of rejections. Then maybe some requests for partials but then they ended up in rejections and then maybe a few requests for fulls, the full manuscript. And then they end up in rejections. And then one day you get a response in your inbox that says, I really like this. Can we set up a call? And that's awesome. And it's, it's one of those agents that you really thought looked neat. They were on the list you carefully crafted early on when you decided you wanted to not only pursue traditional publishing, but you wanted to secure agent representation. You have the call, they offer their services and boom, you have an agent. Then the process that I just described, where you are approaching editors directly, still happens. But this time, rather than you going through all that work of approaching different editors, doing all that research into editors, you get to say, all right, new agent, you go do your thing. I'm going to go ahead and work on the next book now. And I'm not saying that people approaching editors directly can't also work on the next book. But you, because you now have secured the services of a literary agent, you, in theory anyway, now have a big chunk of time opened up to let that agent go do their job on your behalf. And maybe before they do their job in terms of submitting the manuscript to editors at publishing houses, maybe part of that initial conversation they have with you is, I love this project. I want to represent this project as your literary agent, or I want to represent you and this project as your literary agent. But first, I want to work with you on doing some rewrites, doing some further editing, tightening some things up, because I am more of an editorial agent. So I want to, if it works for you, let's let's work on tightening this thing up. I love editorial agents. It's just like getting a bonus gift, because not only are they salespeople, but they have that artistic eye too. And before your work ever even goes out on submission, they can help you tighten it and hone it even further. And I think that's awesome, especially if they're an agent with a good editorial eye. On that note, though, not all agents are editorial and not all writers really want to have an editorial agent. There's no right or wrong preference there. But if you strongly suspect that you would love to work with one or the other, then note that when you are doing your research into agents, you know, they will often say right there in their bio on, let's say, the manuscript wish list website, MSWL, which is a website that I encourage anyone to visit 
because it's not just agents looking for manuscripts and putting their own, you know, hanging their own shingle out there. It's editors as well. So mswl.org. I'm not going to look it up right now, but it's either .com or I think it's .org. I'm not sure. Manuscript wish list. If you type that into a search engine, you'll find it. And you can start to peruse if you haven't already and see what agent they'll say, here's what I'm looking for. They might say, I tend to be an editorial agent. Here's a link to my website or my agency's website, etc. Because some agents work independently. Some of them work within a group of agents at a literary agency. And that's another choice you're going to need to make. If you are going the literary agent route on this offshoot, you need to decide, does it matter to you along with editorial or not editorial or somewhere in between? Does it matter to you whether or not you're represented by an agent at a very prestigious, large, well-known literary agency? Or would you be willing to work with an agent who is maybe a little hungrier? Maybe they're just starting. Maybe they are a, a one-man or one-woman show, and they're interested in finding authors, but they're more of a boutique situation. And I think there are advantages and disadvantages to both. I have only ever been represented by an agent at a large, well-known agency. That's all I'm going to say on that offshoot conversation about agency sizes. Those are some more of the slightly smaller Um, but I think no less important decisions that you're going to make going down that road. But beyond that, let's say you do bringing it back around, you get that agent. The process is pretty much the same. That agent, again, is going to do the same job you would have done if you were approaching editors directly, but they're going to do it for you. You're going to ideally have more time to stress out or bite your fingernails or refresh your email inbox 200 times in a five minute period, or, you know, work on the next project because that's my friends, where this path of publishing ultimately ends up. It turns out, as is so often the case in life, that this is a circular path. And whatever offshoots of the path you pursue or decide not to pursue, whether you sell a manuscript or don't sell a manuscript, or an agent sells a manuscript of yours or doesn't sell a manuscript of yours, and whether that manuscript ends up selling 20 copies or a million copies or somewhere in between, whether your advance is on the small side or the ginormous side, all those little things that happen throughout the rest of that process. What ends up becoming pretty clear for, I think, the vast majority of serious writers and writers who have been on the ride, they didn't take the exit, they stayed on the traditional publishing ride, and it was a rush regardless of the various emotions and experiences they had during that ride. Once the ride has come to a full and complete stop and the safety bar has lifted, you will soon realize that you're right back where you started. And then the choice is yours yet again to set foot on that traditional publishing path or to make a different choice, either right at the beginning by going the self-publishing route or somewhere along the way by deciding to have or not have an agent or to approach editors directly to negotiate contracts on your own, or to let your agent do that, and so on and so on. The publishing path is long, not just because publishing is slow, which it is, and I haven't even talked about that in this whole discussion, but it's long because it is, if you allow it to be, fairly continuous. You're going to do one round maybe with one manuscript and it either becomes a blockbuster or it sells a few copies or it doesn't sell at all or somewhere in between all of that. And then you get to decide if you're going to do it again and how you're going to do it differently this time, how you might do things the same, given your share of the agency that you have as the writer in this process. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this discussion now. 
as usual, I'm thinking there's things I I didn't touch on that I wanted to talk about. There's maybe some stuff I talked about too much. But again, it's a complex topic. Hopefully, it's some semblance of the overview I intended it to be when I set out on this particular hour-long journey of talking about publishing. And I hope there's been something helpful for you in this. If there is something that you would like for me to address in more detail, leave a comment on my website or find the episode on YouTube. I have a channel called The Groovy Writer and you can leave a comment on the video there. I'm always interested in knowing what sorts of questions writers have that I might be able to hopefully shed some light on given my own experience and the experience of writers I've worked with over the years. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Groovy Writer Podcast. You can connect with the podcast on my website at nicolemcinnis.com and on Instagram at thegroovywriter. The intro and outro music is Retro by Wayne Jones. Until next time, write on, Groovy Writers. Write on.